Psalm 139. You got your Bibles? Pull them out. I'm not gonna read it all because it's 24 verses. We're gonna walk through it. As we walk through this, it breaks down kind of in, in six verse segments. And so one through six, seven through 12, 13 through 18, 19 through 24. So get out your Bibles, get out your notes. If you take notes, if you have journals, if you're visiting with us, you can pull out your phone if you want to, jot down some notes, things of that nature. Uh, let me set it up in this way. Psalm 139, is God's word true? Okay, let me ask that question again. Is God's word true? Yes. My son's down here speaking Spanish. Okay. <laughs> it's yes, Samuel. All right. Um, here's where we are in our cultural moment. The world and a secular humanistic worldview will tell you that you are a cosmic accident evolved by chance. If that is true, where does your value and worth come from? I don't have an answer for you. If you're a cosmic accident and you're just living through life, then okay, yeah, the strongest wins because there is no judge at the end and we are not stewards then. We are owners. We do whatever we want. And so where does this, you wanna know where the anxiety and the stress in our culture comes from? Is that we are trying to find an identity in an evolutionary secular humanistic theory that doesn't exist. We are trying to find a purpose in life that doesn't exist. And everybody's trying to say, do I even matter? And the secular humanistic answer is, not really. You're not that important. You have no value or worth. And so you say, does anybody really love me for me? Well, no. It's only what you can do to make society better that society will value. And so you've got all this anxiety. I've got to be this person in order for anybody to love me, care about me, value me. And the anxiousness and the stress is running rampant and you're getting impacted with some of this because you're on social media and you're seeing it on Instagram and all of your friends are stressed out. And when all of your friends are stressed out, you're saying, maybe I should be stressed out too. If all of them are stressed out, why am I not stressed out? So then we're stressed out and we're anxious and we're wondering, does anybody love us? Do I have any value? Do I have a purpose in life? What's this all about? And so today we're gonna take a theological timeout. And I'm gonna show you something that makes absolutely no sense because there is nothing special about me at all in the cosmic aspects of time or this universe. But there is a God and that God not only knows me intimately, he knows me completely, all my warts and everything. And he still loves me. And that God is near me in my good times and my bad times. And that God is the God that made me. And not only did he make me, he made me in his image. So my value and worth doesn't come from something I do. My value and worth comes from the fact I'm created in the image of God. And that as a child of God, I'm now in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, I'm part of the family. And friends, if you are saved, you are too. You've been forgiven of your sins, reunited with your creator, adopted into the family of God. And you are part of a family that says you have value and worth and purpose and meaning. And that God, the God that knows me, the God that's near me, the God that made me is also the God that will lead me. So how many of you in the room right now are struggling with a decision? I'm not sure what major I should major in. Anybody in that boat? Stand up. 
I've been there. Joy, how many majors did you have in college? Three. No, higher than three, Samuel. How many of you are struggling with what job you're going to take after graduation or what summer internship? Stand up. Really, really quick stand up back there. All right. How many of you are struggling with what school you're going to go to? Oh, you're our guest. I won't make you stand up. <laughs> Some of you are standing up. You fit here. Just come on. You already, it's, it's made up. If you're already standing up. So I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how I'm supposed to do all this stuff. I've got questions. Here's the good news. God has answers. Let's look at what the text says. Psalm 139. Here's your main idea. This is what we're gonna try to do over the next 25, 30 minutes. We are going to try to consider the incomprehensible goodness of God. There's your main idea. Write that down. This is what the text is really about, is considering the incomprehensible goodness of God. We're gonna break it down into four different sections. These four different sections are, number one, the God who knows us, the God who is near us, the fact that God made us, and that God will lead us. So let me pray, and then we'll walk through this first section. Dear Lord, today, would you help us catch a glimpse of you and your glory? Would you help us to realistically see ourselves and who we are and where we are before you? And would Jesus be exalted through this text? In his name I pray, amen. All right, let's look at number one, verses one through six, the God who knows us. Here's what Psalm 139 says, beginning in verse one. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. Now, if you write in your Bibles, circle every time the word know or known pops up in this first six verses, you're gonna find it four times if you catch them all. Oh God, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. So there's a section that talks about the knowledge and that aspect of even David thinking about what God knows about him results in praise. And so he ends there, that first section in verse six, and he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. This is the God who knows us. So what does God know about you? Well, the text says, you have searched me and you have known me. When you have searched me, it's, it's like, it's like a lawyer hiring a private investigator to find out every detail of somebody's life. It's a political campaign where they're doing opposition research to dig up dirt on every single person's life. It's like you're excavating territory and you're digging underneath the dirt to find what's underneath and buried. And so you do it with great diligence. You do it with care because you wanna find out everything you possibly can. God has searched you, but now don't take this too far. Because God is all-knowing. God is omniscient. God has never learned anything from anybody. God never sat in Dr. Miller's class and learned something about Old Testament from him. As great as he is at teaching it, God already knew. And so what David is trying to get us to think about is the fact that God already knows everything there is to know about us. This word know is used of the most intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. God knows you better than you know yourself. 
You're still trying to figure out why is it I do this? God knows. You may not, I may not, but God knows. He knows you in this way and to this depth. He not only knows you altogether, David then goes in and he elaborates on this and he writes and he says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You know all of my actions. You know everything I've ever done, Lord. When I sit down, you know it. When I rise up, you know it. You know all of my actions. You know all of my thoughts. You discern my thoughts from afar. Now, this is scary. This caused me to even think about how much am I responsible for my thoughts? You know, sometimes you'll have a thought that comes in your head and, and wisely you hit the brakes and don't let that thought come out of your mouth. Now, some of you haven't learned to hit the brakes yet. It's part of what we're trying to do here in discipleship. Learn to hit the brakes. Not every thought that comes into your head should come out of your mouth. Not every email that you type should be sent. There is a delete button for a reason. Not every post on Instagram needs to be posted. Sometimes you think things, and the first thought you should have after you think those things is, God, forgive me, help me to think better thoughts about people or about things or about life. The thought's far off. So, I, man, a thought pops into my head, and I'm like, where in the world did that come from? But it's a clue of the condition of my heart, just like my words are. It tells me what my heart is thinking, where my innermost thoughts are. And so I, I may not be responsible for a random thought, but I'm responsible for the content that I put into my brain that has created that random thought. And so here, God even knows those. So does God know how bad you, you really are? Like, does God know the you that mom and dad don't know? Does God know the you that your boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't know? Does God know the you that your brother and sister doesn't know? Does God know the you and the things you're hiding from your very best friend that you don't tell anybody? God already knows it. He knows it all. He knows your thoughts before you even have them. And guess what? He still sent his son to come to this earth to die on a cross because he loved you that much. He knows you completely and he loves you unconditionally. That makes no sense, folks. The fact that God loves you to that degree, that should cause all of your anxiety and all of your stress to go away because it doesn't really matter what happens in this life. There's a God that loves you and if you've repented of your sins and put your trust in him, you're gonna spend forever with that God. I can't consider the goodness of this God that knows my worst thoughts and loves me anyway. He searched out my past and my lying down. He knows all of my ways. He knows what I do. He knows my habits. It says, and he's acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, not just those thoughts, but those words, everything I do, he knows my actions. He knows my thoughts. He knows my ways. He knows my words and he still loves me. Okay, all of us are sinners and rebels against the king. All of us wanna put ourselves on the throne and be in charge of our lives. And God knows it. And what's his response? Is he gonna squash us like an ant in the driveway? Is he gonna take the proverbial basketball of life as I used to play out in the driveway and when I would get bored in between missing shots, I would squash ants and pretend I was the giant ruler of Antville? This ant dies and this ant lives. And this one dies and time to take another shot. And this ant lives. I'm telling you, I mean, it's some messed up thoughts. I'm just saying. 
and God still loves me. I'm up here. That makes no sense. Look at what it says. Before word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it all together. Those words that get misunderstood because people assume the worst of you, God knows you didn't mean it that way. Oh, oh, but that works the other way too. Those words where you really meant that backhanded compliment to be really backhanded and very little compliment, God knows your intentions in that too. And he still loves you. And here's the response. Psalmist says in verse six, you hem me in. Okay, now I'm no seamstress, but dresses like have a hem all the way around them. And I think of the dress because it goes all the way around like, you know, coats and stuff like that do too, pants at least do too. But, but I'm thinking of like a dress and it hems me in. The Lord hems me in. The Lord protects me from myself. The God who created billions and billions of stars and planets and universe and everything else, he's gonna, he's gonna hem me in? Who am I that God should be mindful of me? And then it says he lays his hand upon me and I, th I think about, okay, this is where I think about. I think about Disney World or Disneyland. Any Disney people in the house? Yeah. So in your Disney World or Disneyland, there's a whole lot of people. And you, I have a son. And as we're walking, there will be times where he starts to go the wrong way and all I will do is take my hand and gently put it on his shoulder and turn him to go the right way. And so if he goes the wrong way and I go a different way, I don't know where he is and that's a problem. That's really a problem if I don't know where he is and his mom says, where's Samuel? I'm like, I don't know. So <laughs> it gets bad, I'm just saying. So I turn, just a gentle nudge. Has anybody ever had this happen? Just the hand of a dad on the shoulder this way. That's it. That's it. It's right here. Oh, I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to major in. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what school I'm going to go to. But God, you hem me in. You're behind me and before me. You lay your hand upon me. And then here he goes into praise. Here's where we should praise. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I can't attain it. I can't understand it. So consider the incomprehensible goodness of God. Not only does he know you, he's near you. Verse seven, where shall I go from your spirit? It's two rhetorical questions back to back. Let's read through it and then we'll break it down. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you're there. If I go up high, if I make my bed and shield, you're there. If I go down low, if I take the wings of the morning over to the east, you're there. If I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, you're there. Even there, your hand, this hand again is there, should guide me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, God. The night is as bright as day, for the darkness is as light with you. So God is near you. Let's break it down and look at it. Where shall I go from your spirit? The answer is nowhere. So where should I go from your spirit? I can't get away from him. Jonah decided he could get away from God. How did that end? Belly of a great fish. Not the place I wanna go on my vacation destination. Or where shall I flee from your presence? Adam and Eve decided they could hide from God after they sinned in the garden. What did God say? Hey, where are you? Do you think he needed to say where are you? It's like the little kid that's hiding behind the couch 
and the leg sticking out so you can see the leg hiding behind the couch, but since the kid can't see you, the kid thinks you can't see him or her, and the leg's still sticking way out there, and you're like, I see the leg. Where are you? So this morning, where are you spiritually before God? He already knows. If I ascend to the heaven, if I go as high as the heavens above, he's there. If I go into the depths of Sheol or to the grave, he's already there. If I take up on the wings of the morning on the east, he's already there. If I put on my scuba gear and go 100 feet deep under the water, he's there. So I jump in the submarine and go 10,000 leagues under the sea. He's there. You can't get away from him. You're not gonna escape him. He's already there. So what does that mean? Whatever it is you think you're getting away with, you're not getting away with it. There is no private browsing in the world of God. There are no IRS tricks in the world of God. He already knows all this stuff. You're not gonna escape him. And it says, even there though, so this, listen, David's not focusing on the fact of judgment here. He's not scared because he's a child of the king. He's not scared saying, God, I don't want you. Listen, if God doesn't own us, this is a divine invasion of privacy. But if God is the owner, there's nothing wrong with this at all. And he is the owner of our lives. We are mere stewards. And that's why we'll stand before the judge to give it all back to him. And so he says, even there, Lord, everywhere, your hands shall lead me. This is encouraging. This is comforting. This is not terrifying to him. And your right hand shall hold me. Oh, but wait a second. Darkness. Darkness under the cover of night. That's where Batman works. That's where all evil people work, right? Like, you have superheroes at night because you have bad people at night. And so they all work under the cover of darkness. But God has, he has divine night vision goggles. It doesn't matter if you think it's night and he can't see. He can see. The light about me be as night, even if it's pitch black dark, even if it's so dark that it's dark like cornfields and bean fields. I know you can't imagine those, but imagine a rural location with no city lights, not even the parking lights, you turn them all off. Pitch black, dark, I can't see my hand in front of my face and God says, I see it all. The night's as bright as day for the darkness is as light with you. Friends, God knows you. Wherever you are, God is near you. Now, this should give you great confidence because wherever God calls you to go, he's already there. God's gonna call somebody to go overseas to serve in a place that some of us have never heard of. And you know what? He's already there. He's gonna call some of you to serve in a company and you're gonna say, I'm not sure there's another believer in the company that God's called me to serve, but guess what? God's already there. And he is planting his gospel witness in that company so that the kingdom will grow. God's calling me to a graduate school and I'm not sure what in the world I'm gonna encounter there. Well, that's probably true but God's already there. You got this. God is already wherever he's gonna call you. So not only does he know you, not only is he near you, in those loneliest moments, in those times where you don't think anybody's around or anybody cares or anybody loves or anybody sees or anybody knows, he's right there. So cry out to God. Not everybody else. We can't help you. We'll try but he's always there. We move now to God made us, 13 through 18. Let's read through it. 
for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Look, he turns to praise again. He can't even get through this section. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Don't miss this part right here because we often talk about this when we think about babies and the value of life and that's great and it's there. But it also says here, in your book were written every one of them. Every one of what? The days that were formed for me. God already knows every last one of your days. The days that don't exist yet, he knows what they are. He knows your date of death. He knows that right now you're one day closer to dying than you were yesterday. Welcome to the good news of life, right? He understands all of that. All of your days are there. The safest place you can possibly be is right in the center of the will of God. He already knows, don't do something crazy or stupid, right? But he knows, he knows all of your days. They're all set. Why should I be anxious about days that are coming when God's already established them all and God already knows them all? They're already written down when none of them existed yet. He goes back to praise. He goes back to considering the incomprehensible goodness of God. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. If I would count them, they're more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. All right, let's break it down. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. We don't knit anymore. We don't make blankets anymore. Some people do. Um, George just got one that somebody knitted together. And I'm like, how much time did that take? Like that's the, the detail that it takes to weave every single fiber in to make a blanket. I'm just like, uh-uh, Amazon. <laughs> Some of you know how to do that. God bless you. Like, I don't know how you have the patience or the time. But this is how it's talked about here is that God knitted me together in my mother's womb. Immediately says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it. I know it. I know there's nothing else that gives life. I know God is the giver of life. I understand that. My frame was not even hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, this is that poetic language. When I was being put together, knitted together, made in the mother's womb, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Your eyes saw me before I ever existed, before I was ever formed. Now, th this verse, it's not about abortion, but we can certainly apply it to life. And, and today, if you're in this room and you've had an abortion, listen, we're all, we're all sinners. We've all done things we're not proud of. There is grace and mercy at the foot of the cross. I'm not here to condemn anybody, but this text tells me that life is important and that life is valuable. And I'll take you one step further. This text also tells me that God didn't make a mistake when he made you male or female. God created you the way he created you for a purpose. And if you don't like it, take it up with God. God, I don't like the blanket you knitted. We've all been there. I don't like some of the parts about me. I got this huge forehead and then I put my hair up, make it look even bigger. And so I just, just want life. Well, hey, at least I got hair. Some of you out there, the hair's already gone, right? It's just like, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. No more. It's okay too, all right? It's a good look. Maybe one day, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Listen, when I was in middle school, you know what they used to say about me? They said, he walks with his knees in parentheses. <laughs> middle school is rough, y'all. If there were a purgatory, there's not. If there were a purgatory, it'd be like eternity in middle school. Like, it's <laughs> awful. It's horrible. 
Now you know why I say he walks with his knees in parentheses. I can fit a soccer ball in between my knees with my legs locked out. Yeah. Don't you dare. No memes. Uh-uh. Nope. Nope. I give you your diploma. Just saying. It <laughs> is a threat. He's smart. All right. Give me a couple. I'm just kidding. Hey, there are things I don't like about me. There are things you don't like about you. There are things we don't understand about ourselves. And guess what? Suck it up, buttercup. You are a divine creation of God for a purpose in this life. And he knows all of that. And he loves you unconditionally anyway. And so live for him and quit worrying about all that mess. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not strong enough. You don't have to be because your God is always enough. Now, many of you have never seen unformed substances. You're not yet at the point where you really value life. When you struggle with infertility, it'll help you to value life. My wife and I have walked through that road and struggled with infertility, and we've seen 4D sonograms. It's old now. It's 11 years old. But I want you just to have a glimpse. So ignore the country music, because I made this video for my mom and dad 11 years ago. Or enjoy the country music. I don't care. But I've got a video that I want to show you that's about a minute long. So let's watch this video and you can sit back and enjoy. So now if you saw in that video, there was a moment where Samuel took his, his hand and rubbed his eye just like this. And then he was born. And I watched him as a little baby take his hand. And when he would get tired, he would rub his eye just like this. I got his permission before I showed you the clip. And I showed it to him yesterday and said, you okay with this? And he said, yeah. He said, I still do that. <laughs> Friends, life's incredible. The only difference between life inside the womb and outside the womb is size, location, and development. Life is incredibly valuable and don't ever let anybody tell you anything else. Don't let our society devalue life, dehumanize life by calling it a fetus or calling it tissue or calling, we dehumanize things by creating words. And this text is telling us that life is incredibly valuable and precious. You saw my unformed substances and how do we respond to this? We respond to this by saying, how precious to me are your thoughts, oh God. All right, I gotta keep moving. I don't have time. We could spend an entire session just on this, but we gotta roll through. We got another section to cover. 19 through 24, God will lead us. I'm gonna have to blaze through this one, but here's the deal. His response to all of this about God, God knowing us, God being near us, God making us, is anger. It's anger because the world doesn't worship him. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? It's contempt. How in the world can you not value, serve, and love a God like this that knows us is near us, that made us, and is gonna lead us? Do I not loathe those who write up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Okay, now this does not play well in our culture because there is no place for divine righteous anger. But you see it here in the text. Here's where I wanna focus you. Verse 23 Search me, O God, and know my heart. What a prayer. Try me and know my thoughts. You see the word know again there twice in, those, in that verse. 
And then here, see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This psalm begins with, oh Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. This psalm ends with a prayer, search me, O God, and know me. Try me, test me. Put me through the fires of life and test my metal and scrape off the impurities, impurities to make me more like you, the imperfections, so that you'll know my thoughts even then. And if there's any grievous way in me, get rid of it, Lord. And then here's the ultimate prayer. Lead me in the way everlasting. So here's the deal. The Lord will lead you. Friends, when you don't know where to go, when you don't know what school you're supposed to be at, cry out to the Lord. Lord, show me through your spirit that lives within me. Show me where you want me. When you don't know what the major is, cry out to the Lord because the Lord knows and he will lead you. The same Lord that it says hems you in and puts his right hand upon you, he will direct your path to where he wants you to be. The same Lord that's at the bottom of the ocean, deeper than we can possibly go, will lead you with that left hand and hold you with that right hand and protect you through the most difficult, times that you can't imagine. He will be there to get you where he wants you. If you will cry out to that God and say, God, lead me, search me, know me. There's a humility here that says before God, I don't know myself well enough. God, I want you to know me and lead me to where I'm supposed to be. And there's great joy here, friends. Because if we understand this, that there's a God that's this incomprehensibly good and we live our lives for this God, we're gonna be exactly where he wants us to be, doing exactly what he wants us to do and we're gonna have great joy doing it. That's our lives. So here's your application. Application number one. God knows you completely and loves you unconditionally. Nobody loves me. It's a lie of the devil. Get it out of your head. God loves you. And so do we. But not at the same level God does. God loves you. And he knows you. Wherever God calls you, oh God, I can't go to that place. God, you want me to go somewhere and do what? He's already there. He's waiting on you got a great adventure for you, ready for you to do incredible things for the kingdom that'll last for all eternity. He's already there. If he calls you, go confidently. Some of you are saying, God, do you want me to come to the cornfields and go to school? Yeah. He's already here. It's okay. Even if you are from Alaska or from, I don't know, wherever else, California or wherever we have people from today. Yeah. The one who made you knows you and he knows what will satisfy you. Friends, don't listen to this world. This world who tells you, you, you heard about it earlier this week, embrace yourself. You, you heard about the frozen. I'm not even gonna go there. I, I guess I haven't heard about it. You've heard about it. I gotta go watch that movie again. I wanna watch that movie again this weekend, but I don't know that I will because we're busy. Yeah, Samuel's saying no. Next week, next week. All right, you don't wanna watch it ever. It's all right, we're gonna watch the movie. It's a good movie. The one who made you knows you. The world tells you, oh, we'll be something different. The world tells you, find truth in your feelings and then adapt truth to your feelings. That's not true. The truth is found in the word of God and we adapt our feelings to what the word says. And this is where we'll find true satisfaction and true happiness. So don't listen to the lies of the devil who seeks to destroy and to devour and to kill. Listen to the truth of scripture. Get the lies out, put the truth in. Seek the will of your maker. Align your God-given passions with your God-given skills and use them for God's glory for the rest of your life. 
and you will find great joy. Seek God in prayer. He'll lead you. He'll lead you where you need to go. He'll put you doing things that you never thought you would be doing and you're doing for his glory and you'll have so much fun doing it. So seek God. Seek him first. All these things will be added. Finally, when you feel unsettled. Unsettled is not the right word. I couldn't come up with the right word. When you feel anxious, when you feel stressed, when you feel confused, when you feel dazed, when you feel unsettled, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know where to go, when you're worried about all this stuff, all all of those words, put your word in there. When you feel blank, turn to the God who knows us, who is near us, who made us, and who will lead us. Friends, today, I hope you will consider the incomprehensible goodness of God. And in those anxious moments and in those fearful moments and in those moments where you think nobody loves you, oh, just do it again. Consider the incomprehensible goodness of God. Who am I that God should be mindful of me? Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us all just to stop, to pause, to spend some time today considering how incredibly good you are. And God, in the times when we need that most, would you remind us from your word, from your church, from good friends, to help us consider your incomprehensible goodness. For you are a good God with a steadfast, everlasting love. And we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friends, you are loved and you are dismissed.